3: Hello. Hello. It's really hot in New York. How is it in Maine?
2: It's warm. Wait, no, it's cold. <laughs> oh, my
3: God. It's a fucking fake out. It just make me feel solidarity was... for one second.
2: <laughs> I forgot. It was hot yesterday, but it's cool today. I don't know what's going on around here,
3: you guys, but it's been in the 90s twice already. And as Eek. of this recording, we are not even out of May. I know when you hear Mur. it, we'll be in June. But like, but the like ads on the radio and shit are like, summertime is here. And I'm like, no, it actually literally isn't. Like, it is still. Just not. Yeah, not summer. for another like twenty-one days. Yeah, pal. so like, stop trying to fucking make it okay. It's not okay anyway. Um, you know what happens before summer is officially here, Jenny? Spring, spring, and also we go to Philadelphia. Oh yeah, to do a live recording. <laughs> Of Storyteller. Uh, we have ooh, ooh. costumes. It's not a big deal. I got mine yes. cost about $7.12 and Jenny's cost a lot more than that. So that's your only clue about what our costumes are for Storyteller. We're going to be at World Cafe Live on June 11th. It is the first live taping that we have done outside of the special prom taping that we did in March since the beginning of the pandemic. It's the first time we've gathered together. Wow. For a live episode. And it is one of three. Uh, of our last live recordings ever for Buffering the Vampire Slayer. There are, as of this taping, 15 <laughs> entire tickets left. So if you want to join us in Philadelphia at World Cafe Live, you should go and get a ticket pretty much right this minute. Pause- hit pause. Your time. we will wait. The-, the power of the pause. We will wait here <laughs> until <laughs> you grab that ticket. World Cafe Live has always been amazing to us, they make themed drinks and they themed snacks and it's just a really wonderful time. And also um, just safety wise, all of our in-person shows are masked. I know, you know, rules and and all that are changing constantly around this country, um, but guess where they don't change it, at buffering the Vampire Slayer. So in case you're worried about that, know <laughs> that these will be masked events unless people are eating or drinking. Uh, we will be as safe as possible uh, and heads up New York City. Uh, the finale is, is, of course, sold out. Chicago, we have a two night event in July. The second night of that taping is sold out, but the first night, the music night, it is themed Buffy and Faith. It's going to be me and Jenny and Jess Abbott, AKA two ex wives, one ex wife, one wife. It's a, you can do the math. It's going to be a good time. Hmm. And there's going to be a live Buffy and Faith music. It's, and there's only a handful of tickets left to that one, too. So if you're in the Midwest and you want to come see us in Chicago, that's Lincoln Hall. All of these events and the ticketing links are on our calendar buffering vampire just click on calendar um scoop that stuff up because this is this is it folks is the this the final count <laughs> no okay
2: yes jenny this what is got? it and speaking of it <laughs> as in IT, it it's time for the results of last episode's sexual tension awards can't wait that episode was the Killer in Me, which is like the title of a poem that Buffy wrote in her journal about any number of her ex-boyfriends. <laughs> oh, my God. In <laughs> fourth place with 4% of the vote. They bullshit. Deserved better, I feel like. They did deserve better. I'm mad. It's, but, you know, the the race is on in with this quartet of noms. Uh, it's Kennedy and Vaughn. They did their best.
3: Fully canoodled in that lecture hall, but Indeed. Well, only four percent of you considered it tense tense enough.
2: Fan favorites? Question mark in third place with twenty four percent of the vote. It's Zandrew. Continued. Do people love Zandrew? I, I mean, can't keep track. They do.
3: Zandrew. I think Zandrew won the last two rounds. I think the only reason they Bless didn't them. win this one is because people were like, I mean, maybe we should give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, And then it gets even more heated in the top two slots. In second place with 35% of the vote, it's Kennedy and Willow. Man, third place. So much
3: tension that one of them literally turned into the man she murdered last season and it wasn't enough to win. It was not enough. Why, Jenny? Because who won? Because who
2: won? (laughs) My beautiful, sweet, Listen, sometimes you take a cigarette and you wrap it in a piece of Wonder Bread, and that's a tasty snack. In first place, with 37% of the vote, it's Riley and Assface, a.k.a. Spike. You're welcome. That is disgusting. Um, <laughs> you really took sorry. all the sex sorry, right sorry, out sorry, of Sorry, sorry, sorry. You take a Bloomin' Onion uh-huh. and you wrap it in a piece of Wonder Bread. Maybe that's a little I think tastier. the Wonder
3: Bread is just always going to lose me, which, which really isn't. In- true to form as far as I go.
2: Yeah. Uh, All right.
3: Listen, you want to hear us talk about an episode um, and we're going to get there. We're real close, actually. I want to tell you about, (laughs) I mean, this summer is kind of out of control. And here's your reminder that this June, two things are beginning in the land of Patreon. One is a fucking watch along journey. Three watching Yellow Jackets with me and Jenny. All 10 episodes we will be podcasting about in the Patreon feed and we will be doing live watches every other Thursday beginning June 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. Whoop, Whoop time daylight time whatever fucking eastern time just get the it time together. the time okay <laughs> <laughs> And this just in, breaking news, just just hit my desk moments ago. (laughs) Beep, 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 beep. Me and Latoya Ferguson are also going to be doing a little bonus pod in our buffering Patreon on the new Netflix series, First Kill, about two girls falling in love. One is a vampire and the other is a monster killer. Oh my god. Um, Also, the mom of the vampire is played by uh, what's-her-face, who's Juliet from Lost, who I fucking love. Oh,
2: yeah, Elizabeth Mitchell. Elizabeth Mitchell,
3: yeah. Elizabeth Mitchell, like, literally gay canon since at least the movie Gia. So I'm here for Uh it. I'm here for it. Uh, All of that information on our Patreon. Just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on Patreon.
2: An embarrassment of pause pod- so many pay. I'm just gonna be talking for the entire summer. Before you talk for the entire summer, can you listen while I read to you and our listenership this incoming email?
3: You can. I gave Jenny the email, so don't worry about Ta-da. it.
2: This email says, Hi, Kristen and Jenny. Hello. I just finished your app for The Killer in Me. Also made it literally two bars into the song before actively getting choked up and teary on the street. Yes, so thank you and kudos to Bess and also many sob emojis. Nice. <laughs> I feel like maybe one of the reasons that Willow went to the campus Wicca group despite it not being the most logical choice. I mean, she must know so many practitioners through her affiliation to the Magic Box, RAP Magic Box, and it seems like the Devon Coven is also the phone ally du jour, is that the Wicca group is where she first met Tara. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Like, with her subconscious just yearning desperately for Tara all episode, I can't help but think that on some level, she felt that going back to the start of their love affair would heal her in some way, make her whole in some way. If the loss of Tara is the fundamental wound of the episode, then maybe the entry of Tara into her life is, subconsciously, the only cure she can conceive of. I love this email. Oh, and then... (laughs) It is signed, Agent Finn and Assface forever, Jamie. She they from Brooklyn. <laughs> well, Jamie is so much to love about this email.
3: I thought you would like it, and I thought it was a it was a nice take on uh, perhaps what. Yeah, sent great take,
2: Willow over there. Yeah. Oh yeah.
3: Well, Jenny, it's a long episode, so we should really get into it. It's long worthily. It's a good long episode, but uh, we should probably stop talking in the intro and get on over to the the meat of the episode, if you will.
2: I love getting to the meat. Let's do it. (laughs) And welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one by one, spoiler free, in tandem with those gals I'd love to take to a nice French restaurant that's just down this dark alley, (laughs) Angel on top. That was so ambiguous. Usually it's like really clear if you like
3: them or not, and now I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well like them or not I'm Jenny Owen
2: Youngs,
3: and I am Kristen Russo and hey this week we're talking about Buffy season 7 episode 14 first date never kill a boy on a first yeah. date what do you think about this nested title yeah it's funny right um it's interesting mm-hmm. too like I I've seen in the synopsis is uh, which I'll read one to you shortly if you know how this intro goes. A lot of the synopses, synopses, how do you how do you do that? Syna- summaries. A lot of the uh, episodes. Synopses. 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 A lot of the synopses had like never kill a boy d- hyphen uh-huh. and then the summary. And I'm like, what's ha- like, was there a, is it intentional? What happened here? Yeah. Like, and I couldn't find more on it. But yeah. Anyway, this one is called first date and you should still never kill a boy on a first date uh stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by jenny recapping the buffy episode we are discussing
2: first date was written by jane espenson which i was kind of surprised by directed by david grossman and originally aired on february 11th 2003 Uh, oh february 11th
3: 2003 just three days before, my girlfriend at the time took me to a Valentine's Day overnight at the Chelsea Hotel and gifted me diamond earrings. We had been dating for approximately five weeks. Hell yeah.
2: Wow.
3: <laughs> <laughs> anyway. This is the one where Principal Wood asks Buffy out on a date, arousing her suspicions. That's not all he Mm. arouses, you know what I mean?
2: Oh my God.
3: And piquing her curiosity. And a secret about the principal's past is revealed. Xander has a date of his own with a strange woman he met buying rope. (laughs) What? Strange? (laughs) Anya's jealous side rears its ugly head at the idea of Xander dating someone else. Meanwhile... The first is back in the game, this time focusing on Andrew.
2: Uh, I think Anya's jealousy is cute. I do, too. Also, I usually get
3: the <laughs> little behind the scenes. I usually get the summary from IMDb, but it was like a couple lines longer than would fit on IMDb. And I tried to copy and paste it. I can't even explain it to you, like for 10 minutes. And I was yelling at my phone by the end. And I gave up. And I grabbed the summary from the wiki page because I couldn't be bothered. Yes.
2: You can tell. The it's blood, little- the sweat. The tears <laughs> that go into making this podcast. Uh, it's a little wordier though. Uh anyway, speaking of wordier, how about these previously ons? Yes, previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Andrew killed Jonathan, some blood, opened the seal of Danselthar. Andrew Danzel says Thorpe. he'll be good now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Danzel Thorpe. Thank you. Uh uh. Wood in the basement with the shovel, Spike's chip going wonky, Giles at Robson's, and we finally get the rest of that scene. Oh my God, we do. And it's like,
3: the only note I have, I don't know if you have notes for this scene, the only note I have for this reveal is hot daddy Giles, and I would like to play Giles's jingle,
1: please. Please. Oh. Giles! Yeah. you were real bad but now you're older you got glasses that help you watch over us Thank you,
3: this is hot this is like hot 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 like Giles does not need to be bragging about it in the next scene why why does he ha- he doesn't he we, we saw it Giles okay we saw we saw
2: it but they didn't see it but they don't need to see it it's just for us it's our special mm. special Giles <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well it was just luck and training and a wary watchfulness uh there's also a new Ugh. potential In the squad? No. Chowon is here. Undo it. Undo um, it. I unfortunately can't undo it. What I can tell you is Giles is doing right out of the gate that classic thing of overcoming a language barrier by speaking your own language loud Mm -hmm. and enunciating Mm -hmm. instead of, I don't know, going to the fucking bookstore or just like and buying I'm a translation sorry. guide, Dude, just making the minimum effort. You you're telling me that you went
3: all the way to fucking China to get Chow on, and you couldn't fucking figure out how to get a translator to come back with you. Come on, come
2: on, come the fuck on! Like I can't. I just, with this it feels shit. like there are a lot of options, a lot, of and options. Uh, none of them are being utilized.
3: None of them are being utilized, and so like we are at first angry with Giles and his treatment of Chow on in this episode, and above and beyond angry with Giles. I am furious with the fucking writer's room because they have not only made absolutely fucking ridiculous and racist choices in the in the entrance of Chow On, but they have just like they blatantly do it through the whole fucking episode. It's not like we get this one moment of Giles being an ass to Chow On and then like chow on is at least like integrated in some way into the group chow on is the punchline of this episode from start to finish and it is bullshit and clearly we're not telling anyone listening to this podcast anything they do not know i mean this is not like nuanced or hidden or buried in any way it's totally unacceptable and fucked up and Mm -hmm. we'll talk about it more than just that but yeah fuck that indeed uh, I didn't notice this, Jenny, but I read it. Uh, there's a very uh, noticeable shot of a gravestone that says Snyder on it, a reference to Principal <laughs> Snyder. Um, so take a look if you if you watch the episode after you listen to us talk. Take a look and see if you can spot this, this where Snyder was buried. What was buried? Nice. Just an empty coffin, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe his like feet were left or something you know the the mayor chomped all but his, loafers. Little, his little loafers yeah mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. um so yeah Giles is bragging about his oh, ins- wonderful reflexes which uh-huh I don't think Giles would do but does set us up for this is Jane Espenson like this moment feels like a Jane Espenson moment so a little bit to me where he's talking about his reflexes yeah. and then Spike just Pounce, Spike, who has not yet been told that Giles is corporeal, <laughs>
4: pounces yeah. from
3: off-screen, tackles him, and they have this great, "Hey, you're not in pain." The first overlapping line,
2: <laughs> um, which is great. Uh, yeah, uh, a great point is raised. If Spike thought Giles was the first, why try to tackle him? I mean, I guess if he went right through him, then he would know too, you know. Yeah, Spike also has finely honed reflexes that can't be tamed.
3: <laughs> yes. just two just two dudes with great reflexes here.
2: Uh-huh.
3: Um, d- so Giles calls Spike a Burke. Do you know what where this is, comes from? No. So I didn't either. But we were lucky enough that. So a lot of times people email us after the episode, but it's always a delight to me when people email us before the episode, because then I'm like, oh, hey, that that email came through. I can talk about that. Uh, Diana, (laughs) our listener, emailed me uh, a couple of days ago to say, uh, by the way, warning for some for some language. Uh, Oh, my God. Giles called Spike a cunt in the graveyard. Spike tackles Giles and Giles calls him a Burke. According to the internet, Burke is short for Berkshire hunt, which is rhyming slang for cunt. Uh, oh so, my God. yeah, a lot of people use the word Burke to just mean an idiot or whatever, possibly without knowing that it is rooted in this rhyming slang meaning. So, thank you, Diana, for allowing me to say cunt several times on a podcast that I make. But, um, That's now, you know, now, you know, you know, the little rainbow, the star with the little rainbow, the more, you know, there you go. Yep. Uh, (laughs) So they removed fucking Spike's chip and they didn't tell anyone a theme in this season. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Well, Giles was just off. Yeah, but they just like it just feels like if we're trying to defeat the fucking oldest evil, the, the very, very basic thing that you could just decide to do as a group is say everything. Say everything.
2: Yeah. You got cell phones yeah. now. Pick them up. I mean. Yeah, these people need a slack. They do. They need a Discord. They need a word slack. <laughs> they need some uh, way of
3: communicating, but it's,
2: but I mean, like. Some people didn't even know that Spike had a chip to begin with. Amanda's uh, like, what's a chip? Seriously. Like, that's what I'm
3: saying. Like, you didn't in your Spike 101 explain the chip? Like. Amanda's been training with Spike, I'm sure, right? Like, she didn't know. It's just, everyone just needs, they need more meetings, I think. They need They need a couple more meetings to yes. uh, explain the facts. But, um, yeah, so the real reason I think that we're supposed to believe is that Buffy has complicated feelings about the choice that she made. Like, she knows it's the right choice, but she also doesn't want to deal with everyone's bullshit of, like, which she gets, which she gets is like, everyone is like, well, you have feelings and that's why you make these choices. And to which I say, I know I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead, but I'm angry about it because like, who doesn't make decisions based on feelings? Like, what kind of fucking bullshit is it to say like, there are feelings involved here and they're influencing you? Like, she's not a robot. Mm. We met that. Mm. We met the Buffy bot. This is not her. Hmm. Anyway, a little bit more racism before we fucking get out of this scene.
2: Yeah, Chowan Ch- doesn't understand what anyone is saying. And that is the punchline that we go to the credits to on. The they felt credits. it was strong enough to lead us to
3: the credits. To the credits. And, like, and just, you know, I know, and we've talked about this as like a team, clearly, uh, over here. But, like,. It- it's such an offensive punchline, and it's also absolutely absurd, because if you've ever been in a situation where you don't speak the language that the rest of the people around you speak, you definitely aren't going to keep speaking that the language that you speak that you know they don't speak. Credits.
2: Credits. And then to the Summer's house where, you know, Giles is talking to Buffy about how this is dangerous, and she says, what, these hoop earrings? I yes. Mean, yes. And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hoop earrings are scary, actually.
3: Especially if you're the slayer and you're constantly in battle. It does seem like a really risky choice.
2: Right. Yeah. I would get I would, Who at would least, do such a
3: thing. If you need to wear the hoops, do the clip-ons. You know? Then they'll just pull right off. Uh no, mm, no your yes. harmed uh, in the making of this series. Um But yeah, Giles is talking about how this is a dangerous decision to have de-chipped Spike. Um, And I just am really having a hard time with Giles this episode. Um, I I really, I just really am not here for the way he's showing up to this battle. And like having my foot both in the Angel universe and in the um, Buffy universe, I feel some overlap in the issues I'm having with Giles and the issues I'm having with Wesley um it because hmm. because because neither one of them are making decisions that feel super in keeping with their characters and both of them have characters that I like genuinely love and adore deeply uh and i just like We've seen Giles face many apocalypses, okay? Giles doesn't know it's the final season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's just another day on the Hellmouth. And I just don't buy a lot of the shit that he's pulling. And this is not just about, like, his concerns about Spike. This is much more about his, like, general heartbeat in this episode of being like, you cannot have fun. We need to do work. Like, mm. it just feels like a lot. And these are grown adult people at this point. And I think, remember how I told you that Giles was wearing all those fancy coats? So I think he was dating somebody. I think he, bro- yeah, I, think he think got broke up. I think he got dumped. I think he got dumped. I think he's being a bitter bitch because he got dumped. That's what I think.
2: <laughs> I do think there is something about what's going on. It's hard to reconcile because on the one hand, the plot to end the Slayer line feels bigger than anything they've faced before in terms of, like, what the consequences would be. However, having the first firsting around all like, I'm... (laughs) Evil, and I love evil, and I'm gonna do some evil, and when good guys are gone, all there will be left is evil, and you'll want to be by my evil, evil side. It's like a little hard to buy into, yeah. So I'm conflicted. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, then maybe that's the problem. Season seven is um, it's it's a messy season in a lot of ways. Um, but I just, mm-hmm. but let's start here. Giles has concern, and and like part of what Giles is saying here is like he wants Buffy to have better Um, and I don't think that he means that as like a necessarily like just a judgment on Spike but that like he wants Buffy to be in a partnership that really can lift her fully and that is yeah Giles
2: is like I miss
3: Riley. Giles is like, have you ever gone on a date with Principal Wood? Because (laughs) let me tell you about a fucking match. That's a match right there. Mm -hmm. So he's not necessarily wrong and like wanting more for Buffy. But like, she's the slayer and life is complicated. And also what she says about Spike, I think is really valid that like, she believes in him. And she thinks that he needs people to believe in him if he's going to continue to be able to like walk towards The side of good. Um, So...
2: And there is, like, I think the argument that they're having about whether it will be a chip or a soul that is the thing to prevent Spike Mm -hmm. from doing evil, uh, that's, you know, a a conversation worth having, I think. Totally, totally. And also, like... This is where he talks about
3: like feelings coloring her choices, and he's like, "You rely on each other." Like that's his. That's his. Oh no! I know. I'm like, I I literally wrote, "You rely on each other," and I got so mad at. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, they do rely on each other. They've been through a lot together. And some of it has been really fucked up and unhealthy. But they are, like, really working at being partners to each other in a way that is not based in a sexual space at all. That is, like, really based in a, like, mutual love and reliance space. And it isn't healthy 100%, but it's way healthier than it's been. And I just... I'm not sure about Giles' take. Uh, and I I'm very sure about the way that Buffy ends this scene, which is she says you can't beat like she basically says like having the chip in spike was like having a muzzle on him. And you can't beat evil by doing evil, which I think is a really important core Scooby principle. And I think she's right. And I think it I do think that it like resonates with Giles at the
2: end of this scene. It also seems important to just mention that in this conversation, while Giles is listing all the threats that currently face them, Buffy opts to add Principal Wood to the list. And then she's like, well, I don't know uh, if he is a threat, but he was in the basement with a shovel. Well, I was also (laughs) in the basement with a shovel, and (laughs) I was up to no good. So perhaps he was as well. (laughs) Unclear. Uh, yes. Okay, so that's that. Now oh my let God. me take you to a magical land that I like to call Tool Central. Oh wait, wait, can we play a theme song for the hardware store? Oh yes. Ah yeah. Kristen <laughs> Got. Ahead, go ahead. You know that? feeling when you all you want to do is just like watch a circular saw demonstration in the back lot of your local tool central but you're distracted by a beautiful enchanting woman who is trying to select rope I mean like could not think of a way that I would like
3: to spend an afternoon more than like going to learn about uh fucking uh a, a circular saws and then meeting Ashanti you know what I mean like I, truly it can't get better yeah.
2: Cannot. Um, There's something about this scene and then like where we end up that I just want to try to like (laughs) pull apart right now. There's something that I personally really don't like about people trying. This is so complicated (laughs) because parts of me are in disagreement. Part of me hates when a person comes up to me and is like, oh, let me explain the thing that you're looking at to you. But a different part of me Really appreciates other people's uh, willingness to share their expertise. Uh, I don't know if it's like when it's like unasked for that, like makes it feel mm-hmm. worse. You know, when you're parallel parking and somebody just walks up and starts swirling their finger around, telling you when to cut the wheel. Yeah, and it's like, I do. My I'm, dude, I feel rage <laughs> just dude.
3: hearing you describe that. But I,
2: th- uh, but but what's important? What's most important, I think, is that. Xander decides to go for it, and yes. Is it rope-splaining, or is it just helpfulness? Whatever it is, it ends up being the reason that he is successfully suspended over the seal of Danzlethor and bled, and I feel like there's something there. It's the seal of Danzlthorp. Um Okay.
3: I I agree. I think the only thing that is like, oh Xander, is that very first moment to me, and I agree. I think, like, as a woman my, uh, I'm more upset if this happens, if I am actively engaged in doing something like I clear, like Ashanti, Ashanti, her name is Lissa. Okay. But she's Ashanti. Okay. It's cool that Ashanti Mm -hmm, is here. mm -hmm. Lissa is just looking at rope. She's not like when I go, if I go to a hardware store or like any store and I can't find what I'm looking for, I generally will actively look confused because I I, I want somebody to help me. Yeah. If I am like, standing by a bunch of things and looking at them. I don't like if a dude specifically comes up to me in a context like a hardware store or a fucking car parts store or anything that is traditionally uh, a man's world, you know? And (laughs) (laughs) This is a man's world. Uh, mm -hmm. And is like, can I help you? Uh, Ashanti does not seem bothered by this, but I was bothered by the entrance. However... I think that Xander really turns it around. Like, he's really, it's really cute. I think it's really cute the way that he asks her on a date. I think it's, like, we know his history. We know he's, like, trying to get to this place where he can consider being, dating other people, but he's been through a lot. So I
2: think he does a good, uh, a good job. This does not work for me as a um, meet-cute. But I do like imagining Ashanti hoisting her kayak uh, using a winch to suspend it in her garage. That is my favorite thing about this. You, you
3: don't like how Xander just really quickly is like, Do you want to get a coffee with me?
2: It <laughs> doesn't work for you. And there's just something, there's just something that's not connecting uh, between these two for me. Uh, Well, no,
3: I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not here to say that there's a uh, connection here. I'm just here to say that like, for, except for the first moment, I'm supporting Xander's approach. Uh, Okay. Okay.
2: Uh, Also, I uh, do, I do really salute his, no pun intended, tying it up with a, in conclusion, (laughs) rope has many uses. (laughs)
3: Uh, I want you to know that when I did a little bit of research on Ashanti, uh, I found out that she was also like me, born on Long Island, and also like me, born in 1980, a mere like five weeks before me. So like picture baby Kristen and baby Ashanti, like so close to each other, (gasps) hospital beds only a few towns apart, you know, only a few weeks. Oh my God. There we were, just two Long Island babies. (laughs) incredible ready to take on the world one of us would be talking mm-hmm. about the other one on a podcast someday <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay so fucking snoop
2: mcsnooperston over at the if fucking- i were a sign of being evil where would i be this is definitely the most effective method no i mean
4: she's self- so
3: close
2: Kristen. she almost does it
3: well, that's what's ridiculous is that this should not be the most effective method. And yet literally all of the knives were just right there.
2: Literally just right I there. I mean... No lock, nothing. I. It is really... Str- okay, my, ma- my number one question, I think, is, Robin, why so many knives? Right? Why so many knives, Robin? Especially if your primary targets are vampires. Yeah. Where are your wooden stakes? Like, and why not keep... Because it because it is a very beautiful
3: collection, I respect it. It just doesn't seem. But it's like, right. It seems like well, he is on the Hellmouth. Well, yeah, but it seems like this is this is a collection for display more than it is for use. That he's just one man. Yeah, and so it feels like this should be in his home. Do you think he's the
2: same custom carpenter as the mayor? I thought about the mayor's cabinet in this scene uh, deeply because you know Xander didn't build that when he was building the school. Uh, yeah, it's Robin just, Wood in there doing his own carpentry, like, like after stapling hours, stapling
3: some red velvet to the wall to like hell yeah <laughs> mount his knives. I, I just I think the only thing that really bothered me is that there was no like trick to open it like that. That just felt like an important detail that, like, if you're going to have your knife collection displayed beautifully hidden behind a whiteboard, at least, you know, if we were at, like, Wolfram and Hart, there'd be, like, some tarantula that needed to, like, tip-tap its little tarantula paws across some (laughs) keys to open the thing, you know? Just give me something. Tippity-tap.
2: Just. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. An additional security measure would not go a miss he just slides here. it up like he's
3: going to write on a chalkboard, but nope, it's Bunsen and Ives. Yeah.
2: <sighs> One of my favorite things about this episode is that, especially because we eventually learn what we learn in mm-hmm. this episode, Buffy's counseling skills and methods are finally <laughs> totally. taken to task. Like we knew First it the whole here. time, but like we were waiting. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, we haven't been able to say explicitly... <laughs> This is why Buffy has a counseling job. Uh, he he asks her what she's doing tonight. And she says, preparing for tomorrow's counseling sessions, question mark. And he's like, no, really? Uh, he asks her to dinner. And then he very quickly is like, not that, uh, you know, your job depends on you going to dinner with me or anything. And also, I'm going to need you to I a piece of paper that says I didn't just say that. I, like, was sweating uh, for
3: Principal Wood in this moment. Like, do d- yeah. you stop to try not to make the jokes about you being her boss? You made them. Oh, no, you can't yeah. get out of this now. No God. Oh, God. Um. Uh, but Buffy's like, hell yeah, let's go to dinner. Principal Wood also wearing hoop earrings, both of them taking similar lobe risks, you know?
2: Well, I think his hoop earrings pose a much smaller risk to his lobes. Yes, you'd need Buffy's like
3: a might. gnarled fingernail to get in the...
2: Okay, there's, I don't understand why we have to go back to that cave. <laughs> you didn't want a tasty gift? I um, am all set on, on tasty gifties. Thank you. Okay, great.
3: What about frisky vixens? You all set on those? Because that's what's coming next. Willow calling Buffy a
2: frisky vixen. Um, I, I like this. I do like this. <laughs> I like the the close rhyme of frisky Vixen. Yeah, it's nice to say. Uh, You know, they're having
3: this standard gal pal, but like really actually gal pal conversation here of do you think that he wants to date me or do you think that he wants to kill me? Who could say? I'll try to dress for
2: both. (laughs) Buffy says, maybe I'm getting promoted for doing such a good job. And Willow laughs laughs in her face.
3: (laughs) Um, okay, one of my favorite parts of this whole episode is them coming Uh. to the conclusion that, of course, the Hellmouth can't be a shower of evil because it's coming from below. So it is a bidet of evil. Beautiful. Be absolutely beautiful. From beneath you, it devours, a bidet of evil.
2: (laughs) Uh, You think you
3: can click that bidet to, like, a warm
2: setting? Wait. From beneath you, it beshowers? (laughs) She had, she
3: had such a serious fucking look on her face and I couldn't figure out what the hell was <laughs> happening. And now I know.
2: Willow's like, so this is a investigatory date. But also, what if it's like a date, date, date? And Buffy's like, hmm, I don't know. Do I like him? He's hot and smart and solid and Normal, I guess I do like him. Oh, good boy. Buffy! Right answer. Oh, uh, they agree that it would be good for her to date someone hot, smart, solid, and normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willow's like, yeah, so you can move on. And Buffy's like, why does everyone in this house think I'm still in love with Spike? Buffy was in love with Spike. Yeah, good point. Uh, and she just said it out loud. <laughs>
3: Willow's like, I actually didn't mean that. I meant your self imposed uh, self reliance. And Bobby's like, oh, yeah, yeah, fair, 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 fair. (laughs) Then in, but Xander does like a full Kramer entrance right here, just like busting through the door. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's like, guess what?
2: And Willow's like, Buffy got a date. And he's like, no, I did. What the fuck? God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, they discuss the fact that Principal Wood is like 10 years older than Buffy, which is like 100 years younger than her (laughs) type. (laughs) She's like, yay, someone who doesn't remember the Industrial Revolution. Oh, 10 years is nothing. We got this. This shit is great. Uh, yeah.
3: And I think it's actually yeah. less than, I think it's a little less than 10 years, to be honest with you, if you do the math, because um, mm. he's, he's I don't even think he's turned 30 yet, but if he's up, he's 30 at most, because he was four in 1977. Okay. So I did some hell math for you all. And Buffy is- yeah. We missed her birthday because she learned finally not to celebrate it, but she's, like, got to be 21 or 22 by now, right? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. Um... (laughs) Willow is sort of like, you know, poking Buffy uh, and Buffy quiets her immediately by saying, stop before I make you talk about your new girlfriend who you hold hands with under the table and think that we
2: don't notice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To which Willow immediately (laughs) deflects, (laughs) how about yours, Xander? Is she evil?
3: (laughs) Xander's very like fucking K or ass about the whole thing. Probably. I don't know.
2: She's got a kayak. We're going to get coffee. There's actually, uh, I read upon the Buffy Wikia that there is a deleted moment in which Xander asks Lissa if she happens to be a giant praying mantis.
3: (laughs) Yes. I mean, Xander does have a point. He literally has only ever attracted demons of some kind, right? Like, uh, I don't know, apart from the girl who... Cordelia. Well, she's technically half demon by now, and like also well now, but not when they were
2: in love. Yeah, that's true. Or whatever. Okay, but
3: but after Cordelia, it was almost all demons all the time, except for that girl who, whose boyfriend was turned into a snake by Anya.
2: Or whatever. Oh yeah, which maybe demon by proxy. Yeah, and then there was that one girl who was like hey there sailor and he was like i'm a fish with a hook in it and she was like i love fish are you a halibut
3: yum can't wait
2: to fry you on both sides with some olive oil <laughs> <laughs> and we were like so waiting. yeah i think his demon his demon ladies are actually uh preferable Better? yeah <laughs> Oh, no,
3: here fucking comes Giles to be uh, racist with Chow An uh, for the, almost the rest of this fucking scene. Xander having a great moment of like maybe someone in the writer's room had a moment to think about actually the experience that all of these potentials are having. But especially ones mm-hmm. that might not speak the language of the, all of the other people in the house. He says, uh-huh. it has to be tough being pulled out of your home, not being able to bring anything with you. Like, I want him to keep talking because maybe if he keeps mm-hmm. talking, they will reason through to the fact that, like, this is not OK. We learned later that Chao Han didn't even have a watcher. She didn't even have a watcher. She, th- who has explained anything to her? She's just here going shopping at the mall with Giles, who just screams English in her face. Whew. not good, guys. It's not good. We learn that she speaks Cantonese, not Mandarin. So the little that Giles thought that he might be able to communicate
2: is even less. Um, And she is- Still no sign. They went to the mall. No sign of a bag from a bookstore where a translation guide could have been purchased. Yeah, yeah,
3: but he did buy her ice cream. We hear her uh, speak, again, in her own language, saying that she's lactose intolerant, so she's actually incredibly uncomfortable right now, which is like- It's just so fucked up because the thing the thing about this fucked up joke is that it hinges on the idea that this person, Chow An, is extremely uncomfortable because no one there can speak the language that she speaks, nor is trying to communicate with her responsibly in any way. That's the joke. Like, the the only reason that that, this is a joke is because it's funny that she ate ice cream. And she's lactose intolerant, but she couldn't explain that to anyone, so she just ate the ice cream. It's, like, almost like the the reason I'm angry is, like, inside of the joke, you know? <laughs> yeah. The reason I'm angry. The reason that I'm sure all of us are angry. It's not just me. Um, and Giles, like, offhandedly, you know, when she explains that she's, like, uncomfortable because she just ate ice cream uh, and she's lactose intolerant, Giles is like... She said that she's grateful to be in the land of plenty. He says it really like tongue in cheek, as like a uh, whatever. I'm not I'm not sure that Giles b- believes the United States to actually be the land of plenty. <clears throat> but I think the thing that it really brings up is just like, y- do you think that any do you think that any of these girls are actually grateful to have been taken from their homes? And how fucked up is it to say that anyone would be grateful for being taken from their home country, regardless of where the fuck it is in the world? Like just Dude, right? And then he just shouts at her again. Shouts in how a helpful. kind way, <laughs> because being loud is uh, how you bridge language barriers. We all know it. Mm-hmm. All right.
2: So, uh, somebody is doing some reading, and it's Andrew of the new microwave manual. Thank goodness, yes. there's a new microwave yeah. at Summers Central. Dawn axed the other one in case you forgot. When, lo and behold, who should roll up but Jonathan the First saying, I've got an assignment for you. Andrew says, I follow Buffy's orders now. And Jonathan the First is like, well, you think she's going to let you in her little club? You're, You're a murderer. And Andrew raises a great point, which is that a lot of Buffy's people are murderers. Anya, Willow. Spike, should I go on?
3: <laughs> Confident. The way he starts it is really what gets me. Confidentially, a lot of her people. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah, yeah.
2: Just between us.
3: <laughs> between yeah, just between the two of us. Yeah. Um. This is like kind of underlined some of the point that you were making about the first being silly. Like the fact that the first is here to essentially uh, tell Andrew that what he should do is find the gun in the house and kill all of the potentials. That's serious. I mean, he starts it by making a joke about the, how the microwave is intuitive and Andrew shouldn't need to read the manual. I just explained to me this side of the personality of the first that he's like, yeah. Let me just let me just make yeah. funny a little well, bit. Well, maybe it's
2: like this is something Jonathan would really say. So the first like benefits from like you know yeah. more psychological. Uh, I really love Andrew vanna whiting the microwave. When uh when the first is like, uh, Willow brought something here that you can use and he's like the The new (laughs) microwave. Uh,
3: yeah, so the evil, the first evil is like, if you do what I say, you can stay by my side. And I think as a first time viewer, you probably believe that Andrew's going to fucking do this shit. I mean, it's what he's done every other time before, like at the merest suggestion that he could be at the, the right hand of evil. He's like, all right. Okay, cool. Um, So yes, I think we leave this scene very much thinking that Andrew's going to fuck shit up. Um, I just want to say that in the last scene, one thing that we didn't talk about because we were busy being mad about the treatment of Chowan is that Buffy asks Willow to do research on wood on the computer. Like, asks... Oh, yeah. <laughs> asks her to just see what... Um, What can be found on wood? Always bad news when you Google somebody and there's simply nothing, even in the year 2003. (laughs) Certainly in the year 2022, (laughs) it's bad news. Um, (laughs) Okay, so in the bathroom, Anya, who is wearing a pink sweater that I believe has three crocheted kittens wearing leashes on it. I tried so hard to like see closer to this pink sweater, but it gave me pleasure. Uh, she is trying to get some blood and or pizza sauce out of Buffy's shirt so that she can wear it to her date. She's unsuccessful.
2: Yeah. Anya, you know you've got to take that down to the Sunnydale Motor Inn and get a toothbrush. That's the most effective <laughs> method of blood removal in Sunnydale.
3: Actually, Faith is uh, busy kicking ass all over Los Angeles. You could probably give her a call. She could tell you how to get that stain out.
2: Oh, isn't that interesting?
3: <laughs> um, but this this blood pizza thing—it's just it's little, but it's fun. It's sort of a callback to when Dawn got pizza on Buffy's shirt and was like, "She'll just think it's blood." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. So Anya is jealous, and Emma Caulfield giving us just all oh, of the and things. I think
2: Jane Espenson wrote that segment of, of conversations with dead people.
3: There you go. Yeah, there's a so little just bit of Jane keeping the for pizza you.
2: sauce blood thread alive. <laughs>
3: Um Anya is feeling jealous about Xander having a date. Uh let's listen to let's listen to her for a second.
0: Are you nuts, of course it's working. Uh, observe my my bitter ranting. Hear the shrill edge of hysteria in my voice.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, Emma Caulfield. Just love you. I <laughs> love you forever. Uh then she bids Buffy leave her to stew in her impotent rage and also To leave because she has to pee. (laughs) Uh, Buffy bumps into Spike. This is... Who wants Buffy to know that he knows that Buffy has a date and it's okay.
3: I put a lot of hearts around this scene. I really loved this scene. I mean, I always love a James and Sarah scene. I think they just are very good individually and together. Yeah. Uh but it's just nice. It's you know Spike is like listen I- I'm I'm okay. Like uh, do you think that I still like dream of a crypt uh for two with a white picket fence, right? My eyes are Oh my are- god,
2: just like my little song. My- <laughs> just like my little songs.
3: Uh your little song. Um. <laughs> but like it's just nice, you know, he's I think he's, like, establishing to Buffy that while he loves her and he will always love her, he is aware Mm. that this is – that he's not on any kind of quest right now. Like, we've seen Spike on the quest to, like, win Buffy's love and, you know, deeply – only be able to see one thing and it being like the two of them together and that isn't where he is now at all and it doesn't mean that he doesn't love her Uh and and I, I what I love about this scene is that it allows those things to coexist in Spike uh, honestly yeah. which is really nice and not something that we see often you know usually stories are told that like either someone is still in love with somebody else and so it's all they can think about and all they want or they're not in love with them at all um, and I think that this new nuance is, you know, just a, a piece of the of the bigger pie of why so many of us love this show. It's like this kind of nuance is really cool and great.
2: Yeah, and Buffy, you know, suggests that uh Spike do some dating of his own and he's like, "Oh yeah, some girls like the bad boy look," but the only look we see him doing after Buffy exits the scene, is that he is, like, sadly staring into the middle distance. (sighs) Because, like, you
3: know, a hundred and something years of, like, getting girls
2: to want to make out with you because
3: you, like, ride a motorcycle and wear a leather jacket. Like, it's probably, he's probably, like, okay. (laughs) I think he might be after a little more than that, um, which I think is fair. So... Anyway, at the espresso pump, not riding a motorcycle in a leather jacket, but instead drinking a hot cocoa, is Xander lying about his hot cocoa to uh, Dude. <laughs> Alyssa.
2: This is, uh, this is really something
3: to me. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, Xander loves a dominant woman okay like he just does he has made that very very clear that like mm. anya was the yes. top uh cl- clearly uh so lissa is like checking that box right from the jump right calls out xander for his hot cocoa then herself orders the red eye that he just described so it's going well for xander nice.
2: yeah yeah this is uh a great sign full <laughs> speed ahead uh i i <laughs> I do like that he's drinking cocoa. Me too. Me too. Uh, And I like that she wants a red eye. Well, I think,
3: you know, it's it's interesting, not to like, whatever, we have a lot of things to talk about, but as I'm talking about Spike, who like for a hundred plus years has like won girls, uh, like gotten girls in bed basically by like- being the bad boy. I think that Xander, Mm. while not effective at his uh, attempts, for a long time was really trying to pretend to be somebody he wasn't because he thought that that's what girls would be into. And I think that like, what I'm unlocking for myself is why I enjoyed uh, what I saw from Xander for the most part in this is because it did feel like he was like putting down that he that that need to like pretend he was something else and he was like allowing himself to be like yeah he did made the red eye joke but like later he's talking about his vulnerabilities with Anya and he is laughs off the hot cook with and he doesn't try to you know pretend something like it feels like he might be ready to enter into a relationship where he's being himself which I am yeah. um, I'm here for That's all I want to say.
2: Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Terrible news. Oh, no. (laughs) Back at the summer's (laughs) house. Uh, Giles' art skills or lack thereof strike again. Oh, my God.
3: I was saying, oh, no, because they couldn't find wood on the Internet. My oh, no's would have had a very different tenor if we were
2: talking about the (laughs) flashcards. That's a bigger oh, no. Sorry. Pedaling back (laughs) half a moment. Robin Wood is not on the internet. Records not found.
3: Yes. Um, And then, yeah, Giles. Oh, buddy. Oh,
2: Giles. No. Why would you do this? How much time do you think he invested in making these (gasps) loose quotes flashcards? And and how much of that time could he have used to go to the bookstore, Kristen, and buy a book? Yeah. Actually, I want to see something. Babblefish, the Yahoo web based multilingual translation application, opened its web doors on December 9th, 1997. So,
3: so they could be using the computer to help them with some kind of translation to speak exactly. to Chow on. Cool. Uh huh. I mean, here on this podcast, I think that we really support uh, getting an actual translator if you're going to bring somebody from fucking China to your house to f- fight oh. evil.
2: But in lack, sure, but in uh, apocalyptic you, times, yes, If you like, lack that, there's just you the bare minimum. I'm sorry, the bare Wesley minimum. is like fucking two hours away, speaking every
3: goddamn language under the sun. Give him a fucking call. That's Put him also on the fucking true. phone. Just figure it out, you guys. And these would flash be good cards, if can
2: figure it out.
3: these flashcards are funny if taken out of the context in which they're used because we love to see it. We love to see when Giles draws what he believes to be an accurate portrayal of what vampires do with with his markers. <laughs> Giles only owning two markers, a black and a red uh, that's
2: it that's all you need that's all you need
3: um but everyone in the room is horrified on chowan's behalf like you did not Giles sure. show wh- what the fuck like what the actual fuck.
2: Yeah, it's not uh, uh, good. It's
3: not good. And Chowan is extremely upset upstairs. No one goes upstairs to fucking check on her or see how she's doing because instead they're going to talk about what everyone else is doing. First of all, before we get into the dates of it all, uh, I just want to say that Kennedy looks great. Kennedy is Kennedy is yeah. looking great. I think Willow and Kennedy are, um, you know. Just helping each other look great. That's, I just feel like it's, mm. I just
2: feel like mm-hmm. they have a
3: certain glow about them. Uh, oh, you know. So Giles learns that Buffy has a date. Anya says everyone has dates. It's from Date Fest two thousand and three, Slayer Fest ninety eight, <laughs> Date Fest 03. Um, yes, we are about to fight the original primal evil. Going on dates is not correct. We should not be going on dates. I disagree. I I disagreed when Kennedy skipped the desert, and I disagree now. I think that going on dates uh, it goes hand in hand with apocalyptic fighting. You know what I mean? It just feels like yeah. You got to keep
2: morale up. You know. Yes. Life doesn't stop just because life might be about to end. No, as Faith said, you never go in for a little after hours, huh? Oh, my goodness.
3: Come on. I'm scandalized. Uh, So Andrew's peeking around the corner like a little sneaky. And then we cut to the alleyway where Wood is like, this is the best kept secret in town. And I'm like, there's no secrets. There's no secret restaurants in Sunnydale, like fully not believing that there is ever, I could not even believe when there was actually a restaurant that was secret and hidden in an alley. Oh yeah, I
2: was thinking about this. (laughs) Uh, I was thinking about what the Sunnydale version of of Yelp would be. It would be like (laughs) yowl.com or like (laughs) deathrattle.com or something. And then I was thinking about, I was brainstorming about an app for uh, Slayers Seeking Vampires and vice versa. And my pitch for the name of the app is Duster with no E. What do you think? D-U-S-T-R. D-U-S-T-R. Yeah, Duster. The thrill of going on a date but there's only with your one mortal s- enemy. There's only one Slayer. <laughs> well, well, I'm sorry. There's don't two. Don't you there's think? There's two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we could get the potentials on there. Maybe it's like a Raya thing where if you know someone, you can oh, get on the app get you to you. In. Yeah, watchers, yeah, yeah. Monster, you know, monster
3: fighters. Witches. right? like monster yeah. mo- people who anyone who has the potential to defeat a vampire can be on it as the like Slayer piece of this dating website. App, exactly. Whatever. Okay, great. Love that. Do we love it? I love it. Duster, yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. I could probably kill a vampire and I would love to date one, so.
2: Wow. You think you could kill a vampire? You think I could? I mean, I'm not saying you couldn't. I'm just saying, well, yeah, of course you think you could. Okay. You're wow. a very confident person. wow. no, you're wow. a very confident wow. Wow. self-possessed. Wow. Empowered Wow. Um, and you know the way is to kill them. So that's wow. you already have a head start. Wow. <laughs> she
3: said, You think you could kill a vampire, and then immediately said, Of course you think you could kill a vampire. <laughs> you know what? If it's you, me, and a vampire,
2: good luck getting my help. I'll tell you what. All I gotta do is run faster than you. <laughs>
3: Well, fucking reference our bear story. And if you don't know it, I'm sorry, but I'm not telling it right now. That's exactly, yeah. exactly what she would do. Wow. I can't <laughs> wait to fucking slay a vampire in your face. Stupid. Okay. Stupid jerk. Okay. So. Oh my in, goodness. So in the alleyway, my notes are all capital. Take up. They take up like six lines. Hot, hot, hot. That's for when Wood starts slaying vampires. Um, A couple. Of it's th- very hot. It's so. It's so hot. It might be the hottest anyone has ever looked slaying vampires. And
2: that is saying a lot. <sighs> yeah, it's uh, it's very good. It's also great because they get jumped and all we see is Buffy with her three assigned vampires. And then when she finally does the third one, she pivots to be like, you set me up. But oh, no. Robin can't hear her because he's too busy hotly fighting the other vampires. Just kicking ass.
3: Just kicking yeah. ass.
2: Also, doing great. Buffy has
3: made the choice to wear a leather trench. Uh, that was her choice for ambiguous, like maybe I'm going on a date and maybe I might get killed. And I think it's a pretty yeah. good, I think it's a pretty yeah, good Fair, choice.
2: fair pick. And fluffy.
3: a little nugget. Is that what you were going to talk about in this scene? There's a little a little nugget of uh, television trivia everything. here, which is that the very first when we go into the alley and we see the first vampire come around the corner, that's actually reused footage from the promo for the gift uh, way back in season five. They reuse that footage. In what? This it's just one clip, and you'll notice it. It really is different than like the rest, because all the other clips are like groupings in alleys, but for whatever reason, uh, maybe if LaToya and Morgan were here, they would tell us what the reasons might be, but uh, they right. reused this one clip. Yeah.
2: I was going to say that at the end, when the dust has settled, no pun intended, <laughs> uh Wood looks at Buffy and echoing who I'd now consider the second most appropriate person she's ever gone on a date with. Oh, my God. In hush, he says, I guess we should talk. Yeah. Oh, wait, does Riley say that or does Buffy say that? I don't know. Well, the important thing is that it's said between Buffy and the second most appropriate person Buffy's ever gone on a date with, Riley Finn. I think Buffy says it. And stop
3: trying to make Riley a thing. I said that as... (laughs)
2: The line from uh, Mean hey, Girls. The <laughs> the restaurant's right there, and it looks cute as hell. So
3: cute! This Take is, me to this restaurant. <laughs> Take Me to this restaurant. This is like uh, if you're if you've been in New York and gone to or heard of a little restaurant called Freeman's Alley. Uh, th- mm, this yeah. has very Freeman's Alley vibes. Freeman's Alley is like tucked yes. b- all the way down this like little alley called Freeman's Alley. Um, I can't believe
2: Sunnydale has their very own. Freeman's Alley. Absolutely. Principal Wood. We are just two girls standing in front of one hot vampire fighting principal asking you to take us to dinner. (laughs) Please. Also, I think a little vampire crossover here is that
3: I don't remember if if you were with me, but the first time I ever went to Freeman's Alley for dinner, I was eating dinner and it was revealed that on the other side of the wall eating dinner in the same restaurant was fucking Kristen Stewart and fucking what's his name Robert Pattinson it was like in the there you go in the highlight in the highs of the twilight era when like wow. way before Kristen Stewart had come out and when they were like dating in hard quotes so yeah you know not only I wasn't there not only you weren't there No. No. Uh, Well, you should have been, because it was a vampire night that went down in the books.
0: As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify.
4: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
0: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Okay. Um, So at the Espresso Pump, we're talking about... Exes. Uh
2: it's quick. You know, I'm you know I'm, all, I'm here. I'll say it's quick. They've known each other for a matter of minutes and Xander is spilling his guts about leaving his ex at the altar. Yeah. Or did you mean the scene is is quick? <laughs> no, no, I meant it's quick for
3: them to be talking about exes. And like <sighs> You know how sometimes when you're trying to, like, change your behavior, you go, like, real far in the opposite direction? Like, maybe that's what's happened here for Xander is, it like, he's like, okay, I'm going to try to be vulnerable. But instead of, like, taking uh-huh. a baby step, he just took, like, a flying leap off the edge of this cliff. Into clip. the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alyssa yeah. handling it well because, as we know, Alyssa doesn't give a fuck about any of this and is just planning on using that rope to tie Xander over the seal of danzelthorpe Um... <laughs> But uh, she does say it sounds like you're both better off. Uh, And Xander says, I should have taken you on a nicer date than this, which is cute. Uh, And, you know, and she's like, hey, I know something fun we could do. Like, Xander, at this point, you should know that a praying mantis is going to be locking you in a cage real soon, buddy. Okay, Yeah.
2: Yeah, buddy. No
3: sex on the first date if all of your other dates have been with demons, most of whom wanted to murder you. That's just the rule, pal. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, he's he's gotta he's gotta mend his ways. He's mm. gotta learn some things and use them in the future. So here we are at Sunnydale Alley. The
3: French restaurant hidden away. Um, and... Ooh, I like calling it Sunnydale Alley. That's nice. <laughs> and this is this is great. It's great before it all crumbles, just like this show loves to do to us in every way. Uh, Buffy is like so you're freelance and what is like yeah you know I, I, I guess I am and she's like you know who I am and he says you're the slayer this is really good Sarah Michelle Gellar shit right here like her facial expressions of just like excitement and just like she can't even believe it she can't even believe that yeah. she's like on a date with this beautiful man Who, like, understands who she is and knew before he even asked her on a date and can fight. Like, he is, sorry, Jenny, but he's, like, everything that Riley was plus everything Riley wasn't.
2: Yeah, (laughs) true. (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) argue. Riley has already been bumped down the ladder for me. As I have stated. (laughs) So she's like, so it's not an accident that you, you know, Mm -hmm. that you basically sit atop the uh <laughs> the bidet this this <laughs> sunnydale evil bidet <laughs> from beneath you at the showers uh he and he says yeah i maneuvered myself into that school and that office just like i maneuvered you there something big is coming and i want to be here to help and buffy's like so you didn't hire me for my counseling skills and wood laughs in her <laughs> face and then immediately straightens it out and is like they're valuable too (laughs) good yes good
3: she asks a good question which is like but why now like why are you only telling me now and I think he gives a really good answer back was that like he came here because he knew he wanted to do this thing but he wasn't sure he was ready to do the thing and like you know revealing everything before you know if you're ready to jump in is is not the way um and then He tells us, well, he tells Buffy, but we all hear, (laughs) that his mom was a slayer. And that is how he knows about slayers and demons and all the things that he knows. His mom was killed when he was four by a vampire. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. We know by the end, if we don't know by, if if you don't, if you don't make the connection, which I think anyone watching the show with any sort of like attention has already been like, oh God, oh God, oh God. Cause Spike is involved. We know Spike has killed two slayers. Uh, and we know that one of those slayers was killed in the seventies in New York city and was black. And here is a black man born in the seventies who says his mom was a slayer and this is a show that likes drama. So clearly, we're putting the pieces together. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh fuck. I think because I am an optimist.
3: <laughs> You're really hoping. Uh
2: well, I can tell you for sure that the first time I watched this, I d- did not put it together. I was just like, "Oh, I wonder <laughs> who, who, who yeah. she was." Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fool and I was like everything's going to be great now. <laughs> There's okay. not going to be any conflict. I'm I'm always like, and then and then something good will happen and everyone will be happy. I
3: know. I mean, that's really how I watched television up until just a couple of years ago. I finally had it like kicked out of me from talking about TV. Yeah, you can't have
2: nice things you if you can't. watch
3: TV. You, <laughs> you cannot sense. have nice things ever. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you knew. Maybe you didn't. But by the end of this episode, you sure as hell know that this is Robin Wood, son of Nikki Wood, the vampire slayer who was killed in the epic, epic scene that we already saw between Spike and Nikki. So anyway, he's like, I went through this phase in my 20s. I like fully was in my mind, like uh, when Wood talks about his... 20s being like seeking out the person who killed his mother i immediately am thinking Mm -hmm. about sawyer from lost seeking out (laughs) you know it's like the similar quest (laughs) these how many men are there just just on a quest to avenge their their killed mom you know (laughs) and they're so hot there are they all hot is that the common denominator
2: correct
3: Uh, (laughs) anyway buffy is like buffy reminds me of um like queer women that I know who meet other queer women who are parents uh, that they and they want to become parents, and they're just like, "Can I ask you this question? Can I ask you that question? I have this other question. <laughs> like the the is like, I've never had the opportunity to ever ask any questions about anything like this in my life. She can't contain herself. Um and yeah. her, her first question is, I think pretty valid. Do you have powers? And he says he doesn't,
2: yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. He just has skills because his his mother's watcher took him in and raised him in I'll remind you from what we know yeah. from something Wood has said previously and also from a line that was cut from this episode in Beverly Hills mm-hmm. where is this guy where is he where is the watcher uh, perhaps he's he's passed on perhaps he's uh ascended yeah, he's, I guess that's
3: true if he was Nikki's watcher <clears throat> and she was in her 20s in the 70s And we're to assume that, like, watchers are predominantly, like, Giles' age.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But, like,
3: okay. I hope we learn. I don't think we do. But I just want to learn. I want to know more. Uh, Okay. So back at the Summer's house, um, Andrew has located the gun (laughs) in Buffy's underwear
2: drawer, which really, everyone... Andrew's like, she has nice things. And the first is like, show me. And Andrew's like, well, I didn't take them, but there were thongs (laughs) and regular underpants. But the first wants to see the gun, you fool. Oh, my God. Okay, so this... Oh, my God. This voiceover looking down into the gun bag. And Andrew is like, Willow tried killing Kennedy with that so that we can all remember why there's a gun in the house. Yeah. Also, just like... This whole plot line of
3: wiring Andrew to record the first, which they can't even... Where
2: did Willow get this this wire monitoring surveillance it's just FBI such a kit. bizarre and she like explains it to Giles later by being like we just
3: wanted to learn more about the first we thought this was a good idea and i'm like come on guys like at, it like it, at every level this is silly and i'm not really sure why
2: we needed it to happen this way here's a thing if the first can only appear As um, people who have died, Mm -hmm. what's to stop the first from, and it's like all powerful evil, what's to stop the first from not appearing and just surveilling like around the clock? Well, because
3: he needs like the first evil needs corporeality, so
2: that he can kill people. So he has to like. No, no I'm just saying, like in terms of like why why does he why is it a surprise oh, to the first that, 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 that Andrew's, Andrew's wearing a wire? Why, right?
3: Yeah, this should not be because like, like the first was too busy making jokes about something in the other room. You know, like not paying <laughs> attention. Uh, I just don't like this. I think it's really silly. And, you know, Andrew, of course, doing not a good job, although I do like his his uh, question. Are you made out of are you made out of the evil impulses of humans? So if everyone was unconscious at the same time, you'd fade.
2: <laughs> I love I love that. I don't know if that's a reference to yeah. an existing story or if it's just Andrew like coming up with stuff but I I love that as a concept
3: me too and I was if you know if it is because I thought maybe it was like a deep nerd reference that people would know
2: so tell us if it is um but I love it as well and I like to I like to see Tom Lank doing you know bad acting Mm -hmm. like say do you have any weaknesses (laughs) Uh I do like getting to see that and it's it's fun and funny. Uh, um one
3: thing that I need to ask is if you noticed behind Andrew on the desk there's a picture of a woman and a man kissing the woman like it almost looks like a wedding photo and I just want to know who is that? <laughs> Who is that? I did not see that. I did not see that. Because it shouldn't be Joyce and her husband, that piece of shit. And we know that Anya and Xander don't want any wedding photos up in the house.
2: So who the fuck are these people? It's maybe they came in the frame. (laughs) That's what I think.
3: you know, two of, two, they of forgot. My, two
2: of my friends, um, they let their
3: photographer submit their wedding photography to like you know public domain or whatever, and so now their wedding photos are in like all of the frames in Home Goods. <laughs> what I know, I'm like you can just go to Home Goods and buy a frame and then put it in your house because that's you. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Andrew's wearing a wire. The first fucking, of course, knows because Andrew is bad at lying. And are we kidding about trying to trick the oldest evil with a wire? Get out of here. Oh,
2: God. Yeah, it's a little misguided. They're hearing, they hear (laughs) the
3: first in the basement, but it's not because the microphone is picking him up. It's because he is fucking talking loud enough for the whole house to hear. (laughs) He's manipulating Andrew by showing up now as dead Jonathan with bloody hands hands and then he's in the basement with like one white eyeball popping out of his fucking head being like i'm gonna kill all the girls over at the seal of Danzelthorpe, ashanti is like uh, you know the slayer cool had absolutely nothing to do with, with you being strung up above the seal
2: uh, and bled out xander Roped onto the bleeding wheel with the ro- the very ropes he, he helped to sh- Auntie Lissa uh, <sighs> pick out. Oh no! Oh no! Um. In the
3: living room, Giles asking, why a wire, just like me? Um, and they're just sort of, like, talking about this. Andrew's, like, redemption is hard. Spike is, like, why is the first appearing? <laughs> Which is also a great question. <laughs> of all the people you could choose,
2: why the fuck did you choose Andrew? I guess maybe because he's easily manipulated. Yeah, um, and because he has, like the most on andrew he has like two people that he can appear at you know andrew is as buffy mentioned like tofu when he gets around evil he picks up its flavor
3: (laughs) giles wants to end everyone's dates right this very moment again because someone dumped giles in the missing episode that we don't have (laughs) i'm
2: telling you he's fucking trying to ruin Uh, everyone's fun
3: Uh, i love
2: that uh don's like andrew what did the first want you to do and andrew was like oh wanted me to like shoot shoot girls and dawn's like stressed out and then andrew's like no but not you just you know the potentials and dawn's like nice
3: <laughs> dawn dawn's like She's gotta I pick just up need those victories where she can get around here i want my own bathroom <laughs> yeah. back. i want my bathroom <laughs> yeah uh, um all right. So Willow gets a text from Xander. It's a co- What do you think the code is? Do you think it's boobs? It's just 80085.
2: <laughs> no, no. I think it's like the eagle is in the nest or something.
3: <laughs> it's before emojis. So like, you know, it's got to be some kind of word code. But um She doesn't know if the code means I'm getting lucky, leave me alone, or my date is a demon trying to kill me. And they're all like, it's Xander. We better get the fuck over there immediately. uh, (laughs) Looking at the statistics, we should go check on (laughs) him. Xander is very rarely getting lucky and very often getting killed by demons.
2: Uh, Spike is like, I'll go get... Buffy, because Buffy has left her phone. He exits and he has like a big wound on his shoulder. Did he get that in this episode? Oh, I don't know. But also, let's rewind the tape a
3: second. Buffy has gone on a date in which she thinks perhaps she
2: might get lucky or might get killed and she leaves her phone? Kristen, it was a different time. People had different relationships with their phones. I lived, in through, I lived through it.
3: I'm going to try to I'm try to take a deep breath. But I'm. she's the slayer, OK? She should know better. I mean, remember back in season one, she told us that if the
2: apocalypse came to
3: beeper, was she leaving her fucking beeper yeah. at home all the time? What if we yeah. needed her? Well, she had
2: a beeper off seasons one through six. She just got a cell phone this season. I guess the Kristen, cell phone. She's still getting
3: used to it. Cell phone doesn't have a belt clip. That's probably why she keeps leaving it behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Simpler times. Okay, so yes, yeah, Spike leaves
2: because she'll be worried about <laughs> the boy. The boy. Cut to Wood and Buffy enjoying some kind of poached pear dessert and he's like, you need a bite with the sauce and feeds it to her and then Spike is between them. Uh, not before Buffy says, it's the best thing I've ever
3: had in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Spike very respectfully is like, um, it's Xander. <laughs> he doesn't pull yeah. any shit. He is literally just there. And then they get in the most awkward fucking car ride of all living time, the three of them. Um, but before yeah, that is
2: a rough car ride. <laughs> it's pretty rough. But before we get the three of them in a car. At the Seal of Danzlethorpe. Thank you. Uh Xander's like lissa lissa you don't want to do this you don't know what's down there and she's like what a very f- feral proto vampire uh that shall wreak havoc upon sunnydale and he was like huh well i guess you do know what's I down guess, there yeah. and then she also has scary uh demon eyes all yeah, of a sudden very cool and she stabs Xander, and the bleeding commences. Oof,
3: it's rough the way they shoot that, too. Like, the blood, like, running down the, the knife, you know? It's, ooh. It's, yeah. It looks painful. Um, Lissa explains that everyone is hearing the same drumbeat, and we are all making our choices. Do we want to align with good, or do we want to align with evil? Clearly, Lissa is choosing the cool fucking yellow eyes that come with evil uh and and then after the awkward car ride where buffy explains that spike is a he's a colleague he he works with me (laughs) in the struggle against evil yeah
0: Yeah, they all
3: roll up to the seal uh wood learning by seeing spike uh vamp out that he is a vampire
2: Yeah, we know that he knows it because he says he's a vampire.
3: (laughs) I I feel like... I feel like I would have really failed Xander in this situation because my instinct was to, like, take my shirt off and just hold it to his stomach. Like, like I, I would never have thought to cut him down. I Like, my logic would be, like, stop the bleeding. And so I would have just been oh oh awkwardly standing atop the seal of Danzl Thorpe, like, oh. pushing my shirt
2: into Xander's stomach. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> you know what my you know what my favorite part of this scene is? When would this yeah carries xander across no that's pretty good that's pretty good but it's no uh the seal starts to open one (laughs) turrican arm slithers out and then the seal closes and it gets lopped off the the turrican hand is just like snapping to a little jazz beat (laughs) as it comes up showtime yeah Yeah. Uh. yeah uh it's it's contemplating the perfect Ashanti song to uh, <laughs> enter the <laughs> summer's house to See my days are cold without you but
1: I'm
3: make us a cut of the hand coming up holding a top hat I know you could do it <laughs> um so Lissa I don't know what kind of demon Lissa is but she is a great fighter she is like kicking Spike's ass she is giving Buffy a yeah. run for her fucking money this is good fighting yeah. that we are seeing here and um Buffy wins uh Wood has cut Xander down and and uh, Buffy uh, grabs a sword. I don't I don't even know where the weapons came from, but uh, somebody had a bag of them, maybe? I have no idea. Oh, they
2: were probably just down there with all the shovels, shovels uh, and
3: swords. Oh, yes. Okay, shovels and swords. <laughs> also the, the name of a hidden restaurant in the Sunnydale Alley. <laughs> yeah. So Buffy beheads Lissa, and unfortunately when she does, uh, uh, Lissa turns into a, a not good-looking demon of any kind. Um, I'm upset about that.
2: We've never seen a demon quite
3: like this one. It's weird. It's like, like, it's almost like it looks like there's some, like, black stitching making up its, like, features? I don't know. It's, it's weird.
2: Anyway, Buffy wins. Buffy wins, and her immediate reflex is to run to Spike to see if he's okay, and Wood hates it. Yeah. Yeah. And
3: Xander. <gasps> Xander looks at Buffy and says, so, how's your date going? Oh... Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Giles tried to warn you all. No good could come of this. God, don't give Giles any fucking credit. He's just being a piss baby over (laughs) there. Um, okay. So we have a, we have a little segment from Alba because we had a lot of conversation before we recorded this episode. Um, there was a lot that Alba wanted to talk about to sort of like bring to light about the fact that really like we're seeing two, two characters of color, two black characters, Lissa and Wood go on dates with prime Scoobies. And both end up, at the end of this episode, being suspicious. And that is a point worth discussing. And Alba uh, wanted to come on in here and, and say some things. So, so come on in, Alba. Let's hear what you got to say.
1: Producer
4: Okay, so let's talk about the audience's relationship to Principal Wood in this episode. He has already been set up as suspicious in previous episodes, so we are already wary of him. Because, of course, why would it be acceptable to just have a gorgeous, likable black man on Buffy, right? At the beginning of the episode, Giles is talking to Buffy about his concerns regarding removing Spike's chip, and Buffy throws Principal Wood into the pile of other extremely dangerous things that they are dealing with without any confirmation of whether Wood is actually dangerous or not. When Buffy and Willow are discussing the potential date with Principal Wood, Buffy says, and I quote, It's not even that he's acting that suspicious. Let me finish that sentence. It's just that he's black. After being baited into believing that Wood is in fact evil, we, the audience, then move on to learning that he's actually good. Very good. Wood and Buffy even have some very cute back and forth flirting and chemistry. And let's be honest, I think Wood is actually the best guy Buffy goes on a date with or has chemistry with on the show. He's gorgeous. He's funny. He's smart. He's great at his job. He knows about slayers. He was raised by a watcher. It's like he was tailor-made for her. But we're only allowed to like Wood for a brief 10-minute period because then, oops, what do we realize? Spike killed Wood's mother. So now we've come full circle. And as an audience, we can't trust Wood again. This whole episode perpetuates the idea that black people are not trustworthy and also enforces that our beloved characters can't date black people for seemingly good reason. I call bullshit. Now, Ashanti. While it's absolutely incredible to see Ashanti in all her perfection in an episode of Buffy, the writers do her dirty. First of all, she has to get harassed by Xandra at the hardware store. Ew secondly once they go on the coffee date he uses her as emotional support gross but the fact that she ends up being evil is honestly just unfortunate i think they were trying to do an Aaliyah, queen of the damned reference but why do we have to turn against basically every single black woman that appears on the show not only does she turn out to be evil but her death is again another example of dehumanizing black women and brutalizing her body The writers remove every aspect of her humanity, turning her into one of, in my opinion, the ugliest demons we've seen on the show. This is not so different from what happened to Forrest in season four, although what was done to him was far more extreme. In fact, now that I think about it, his dehumanization wasn't even his choice. It was Adam's, whereas the mayor, a white character, had the choice and autonomy over his body to become a giant demon snake. It's also interesting to note that when Britney Spears, the only other famous musician slated to have a speaking role in the series to date, was supposed to guest on I Was Made to Love You, her character was a cute little robot. Her character was not dehumanized in the slightest, and she died peacefully. She literally just shut down. How's that for a comparison? don't get me wrong this is one of my favorite episodes in the season i just truly believe that there is a version of the episode that could have been written that didn't cause so much explicit harm to the audience by forcing racialized people to experience the episode but also influencing people's perceptions of each other that takes so much more work to unlearn than to learn Producer
2: <sighs> thank you alba yeah, thanks, always. Alba. I was thinking about this before we started taping, and I think it's really interesting that like Lissa begins her appearance in the episode as someone who just feels like, you know, normal and nice and and good. Yeah. And, like a nice, pretty gal that is going on a date with Xander. Mm-hmm. And then by the end is revealed to be uh very much at odds with uh the good guys. Yeah. And what we have with Wood is he- we've, we've like, just seen him in interesting situations, burying Jonathan, showing up in the basement with a shovel, uh, and not explaining, not mm-hmm. having a convincing explanation, whatever. So we've kind of come into this episode not knowing where we stand with him, and then we get this, like, hell yeah moment of him being Oof. like, I'm doing the good fight, my mom was a slayer, all of this stuff, and then that is ripped away from us before the episode is even over mm-hmm. in its final moments, uh, we're back to a place of like, oh no, Robin is going to be at odds with the Scoobies yeah. as well. One way or another, we don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but this can't be good. Right. And Mac pointed out in our conversation too how fucked up it
3: is that that's, like, that's, that's where your mind is meant to go. But when you really think about what's happened here is like there's a vampire who has orphaned this man and finding out that Robin has been orphaned by Spike makes us think oh no Robin might be bad what (laughs) right like when you think about because I know like clearly it's it's more complicated than that but it's just like Mm -hmm. (sighs) thinking that Robin might be like burying bodies, uh, it underneath the school is like one particular track of like, oh no, this is this is different. This is like, oh no, because if because if you're really like holding both things, it's like Robin has great cause to want to destroy Spike, um, and we don't want Spike to be destroyed because we've been around for many seasons and we've seen a lot of the layers that Spike carries. But like on mm-hmm. paper. On paper, Robin would be on the side of good, even if that is what he does. Even if that's what he does. Like he's doing it to kill a vampire who killed his mother when he was four. Anyway, it's complicated. And to (laughs) underline to underline Alba's point, really, it's just it always goes back to like what is the show doing with its characters of color? Because it's not that we can't like love to see Ashanti be an evil demon who strings Xander up. That's delicious and fun and great. It's just that if the only things that your black characters do are bad, evil, suspicious, etc. you are filling in people's brains with these things that they carry into their lives and that's really the like that's really the reason to point it out is is because the show has not done much with characters of color apart from either kill them or make them evil characters or suspicious characters uh in some way. So mm-hmm. 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 all right oh my god oh my god i'm so sorry i'm so upset about what is about to happen <laughs> Go giles on. is not only drinking milk he's drinking
2: warm milk make it make sense uh yeah i'm starting to rethink who's on the side of good and who's on the side <laughs> of evil here
3: right i was uh, my first note was milk giles and then warm because <laughs> you don't find out it's warm until later Oh god. Um anyway, we're back in the living room and uh Anya <laughs> Anya is worried that quote. She has some real zingers of lines. I think Jane Espenson loves nothing more than writing for Anya. Right. Yeah. Like that's kind of the uh she says his slut ate him up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Anya. And oh then God. she says, and this, I'm going to get this tattooed on my body. My feelings are changeable, but intense.
2: <laughs> the Kristen Russo story, <laughs> my for <motto>. sure. <laughs> my actual motto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All
3: right. Let's 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 take this episode through to its end here. Um, we get another fucking chow on stupid moment where she's, Saying everyone is trying to kill her because Giles offers her his warm milk, taking us back to the only fact that we've learned about On since her arrival, which is that she's lactose intolerant. Fuck off, everybody! <sighs> but then we get Xander coming in here to deliver a bit of a monologue that I personally enjoy. So why don't we why don't we listen?
0: I'm going gay. I've decided I'm turning gay. Willow, gay me up. Come on, that's gay. What? You heard me. Just tell me what to do. I'm mentally undressing Scott Bakula right now. That's a start, isn't it? (sighs) Captain Archer.
2: Yes!
3: (laughs) So, (sighs) game me up, Willow, is a great line that I love. And um, Andrew is not out on this show to any of the characters, yet Xander specifically looks at him and is like, you know what I'm talking about, right, man? (laughs) Yes.
2: Okay. Correct. Cool. So joystick hands. Great. Exactly. You know who doesn't have any time for this? Fucking- Your your favorite person in the episode. Fucking Giles. Giles.
3: Fucking Giles.
2: He's like, girls are going to die. We may die. It's time to get serious. No more dates. No more jokes. No more breaking up with me for whatever your reasons might be. Alicia- Alicia,,
3: I don't know, uh, yeah, no fun, no fun. Everybody's gonna die, so be serious, whatever. Mm. then, later, in the living room, Spike and Buffy are sitting on the couch.
2: Spike calls Andrew the little the boy little boy there's the boy the and the little, little boy, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Spike's like, I got to move out and leave town before it is time for yeah. whatever the first has, has planned for me. And s- are you ready for this? I am. Buffy says, you can't leave because I'm not ready for you to not be here.
3: Oh, no. Oh, no. They, <sighs> they love each other. OK? They love each other. And I love that they love each other. I support their love. I don't think it's unhealthy. OK? I don't. I think that they. I mean, moved... I'd
2: argue it's healthier now than it's ever been. Well,
3: that's that's what I mean. Like, I I think yeah. that like they've. I think they've been doing some serious work, and I and I support yeah. it. uh and Spike says, and the principal." How would he fit in? I, of course, had the mind of a fucking twelve-year-old and was like, ah.
4: <laughs> "I have an idea of how to fit in. I have an idea. I call me. Call me."
2: Well, mm. over at Robin's Place, who should appear but Robin's mother, but played by a new actress? Yeah. So the new
3: actress is Katie Aubert. Is that, I, I don't know if that's how we say her last name. Uh, and the original actress was uh, April Whedon. So um, <clears throat> April Whedon, the actress who originally played um, Nikki in the episodes that we've seen so far. Did audition for the role that she had initially played, Um, but uh, she said, I got a phone call from casting stating that there was, quote, a certain maturity about me now and that I didn't get the part. So I don't know. Like, they must have felt like they needed a younger looking Nikki than...
2: Hmm. The
3: original actress looked at the time, but there's only been a few years between. I just it's like very bizarre to me, um, this choice. But that said, um, first of all, that actress, uh, April Whedon, not spelled in the Joss way, spelled W-E-E-D-E-N, was a stunt. She she was a stunt woman. Like primarily, she did a lot of stunts for this show. She did um, stunts for Alana Gunn in uh, Angel in the episode War Zone. Um, yeah. yeah, she was a stunt person for Kendra in What's My Line Part One. The new the new Nikki Wood, OK, played by Katie Aubert. I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing her last name right. Has done a lot of things as well. She first of all, she was discovered working behind a makeup counter at Macy's, which is like truly how I believed that anyone could be discovered. Like, I love hearing that this actually ah. happens. She was um, a model for Victoria's Secret, Nagazima, Fredericks of Hollywood. Um, and she's been on a bunch of things. The thing that I was most excited about, Jenny. Is that mm-hmm. she was one of the four original Fantanas, which was the group of women who were the smokes- spokesmodels appearing in TV commercials for Fanta. Wanna Fanta, wanna Fanta? Wow! Fanta. Yeah, she was Strawberry Fanta. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: okay. Casting news and choices to the side. Mm-hmm. I think that Wood handles the first better than anyone
3: else has handled the first so far.
2: I have a question. Oh, yeah? He just revealed to Buffy, he just revealed to her that he like fights vampires. They haven't had time to compare notes. How does he know that this is the first evil and that the first evil appears incorporeally as people who are dead? How? How does he know?
3: Honestly, it sounds like he's just better at doing research. That sounds like he, maybe I mean, because we know he knows about the seal and we know like if he knows about all the things that he that we've seen him know about before we understood, like if he was coming at that knowledge from an evil place or a good place, uh, then like we are led to believe that he would have some intel on the first. Um, how he got it, I don't know. I mean, how did they how I don't even remember how they got. Information on the first from the from the coven. They got
2: information on the first because like (laughs) oh, Giles stole the books. Oh, Giles stole the books from the council, and then Buffy also like identified the first because of what happened with Angel in Amends back in season three. Oh right, 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 right. right. So like all the intel they have came from a book that Giles stole from the Watchers Council. (laughs) So, I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe um, they talked more. Maybe they had time. Maybe mm, they
3: found time. You know, when you need the time, you make the time. I don't
2: think, based on how Robin looked at Buffy and Spike together, I don't think that they had a bunch of data sharing. Don't forget about the car ride. together before Before he knew. Yeah. You know? Mm, Okay.
3: Maybe that's when they told him. But, no, because he, (laughs) I mean, he really does approach... this like vision of his mom in a way where it does not seem like he just learned about the first like it seems like he's had this knowledge for a long time good question but i would just like to repeat my takeaway which is i wish everyone treated the first the way that wood does i mean she gets him she gets him with the reveal of don't you want to know who killed me like but it but like she has to go, she has to dig deep into her bag to find the thing that will like sway wood. And he walks right through her and is like, fuck yeah. off, you know, like, it's just, I just feel yep. like this man has a fighting power that I wish would, um, you know, appear a little bit more in, in the in the Scooby, really in the potential gang, but in the Scooby gang. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, here is Nikki, um, played by a new actress. And um, sh- she's basically like, you met the person who killed me. So, like, whether or not I am just appearing. You fought at his side. Yeah. Ah! You met him. You know him. You fought by his side. Um, and he says thank you. Oh, no. That he does. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, no. What's going to happen? What is going to happen as if we didn't have enough to deal with already for goodness sake. I know. Um yeah, this is quite a reveal. Um and it's I would I would guess it's going to put Buffy in some sticky in situation. A real pickle. A real
2: pickle. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it's not great. Well, um speaking of pickles, <laughs> Wow.
3: <laughs> You're welcome.
1: Sexual
2: attention award. Well, welcome back to the most important part of the show: the Sexual Attention Awards. <laughs> uh, worry not, those of you who may be concerned. That we might not have slots for the noms this episode. I we mean, and the name of the episode is noms first
3: d- date. A plenty. So if we didn't yeah. have enough yeah, 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 yeah. noms, we would be fired.
2: Well, I've been waiting for their first date since the beginning of the season. He's hot, normal, and smart. She's a petite blonde heroine. Don't forget about it's solid. It's Buffy and wood. Oh, yeah. Also, he is solid. <laughs> solid. Solid Wood. wood. <laughs> uh, Buffy and Wood. Buffy and Principal Robin Wood. Hot, hot, In hot. In slot number one. Hot, hot.
3: Yeah. Need no yes. other
2: submissions, but go ahead. <laughs> In slot number two, giving them a run for their money, it is an evolving love that will not die, Buffy and Spike. Oh, Tender.
3: I don't even know if they belong in the sexual attention awards anymore. They've become very tender, but, but they're here, but they're here.
2: Here they are. Uh, in slot number three, a very special guest getting up to very special activities. It's Lissa and tying Xander up the act of tying Xander to a big wheel. Mm hmm. And possibly bleeding him dry onto a seal so that it may open, releasing a super vampire into the world. How much does it? Does a
3: kayak weigh the same amount as a human man? Like, is that? I'm so. (laughs) I just want to know what Melissa was like. What what weighs the amount of a
2: human man? Um. Well, the average recreational kayak weighs 35 pounds. Oh, a single kayak. 65 pounds for a tandem kayak and fishing kayaks can get up to over 120 pounds. Most kayaks weigh, in conclusion, basically, <laughs> most kayaks weigh anywhere from 20 to 100 pounds. Okay, that is,
3: so she, she really should have said she was hanging a few kayaks from her, if she wanted to make sure that she was getting the right yeah. rope. Okay. All right. Well, Alyssa, yeah. better luck next time.
2: Mm-hmm. And in slot number four... Hope there's plenty of room because there's three of them. It's Zandrew and Scott Bakula. Nice. We should get them a Uh, three-person kayak. (laughs) Yes, we should. Have you ever seen an episode of Quantum Leap? No, but also yes. Like
3: I can picture what it looks like when the quantum leap happens. Like I can visualize mm. that. So I, I must have absorbed some of this show just by being alive. Was the, this was the 80s, I assume? Uh, I feel like quantum leap 1989 to
2: 1993. Quantum Leap
3: and um, Night Rider, like, th- they all blend together in my, like, mind, uh, just in terms of, like, I was probably, like, 9, 10, 11 years old, and maybe my parents had things on TV, and it was, like, a talking car and a man mm-hmm. that can jump through time. Weird.
2: <laughs> so does that <laughs> answer your question? <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, have you seen Quantum Leap? Oh, hell yeah. I've watched a lot of episodes as a child. Uh, and Scott Bakula seemed pretty cool.
3: Is that who he plays in that show? Captain whatever?
2: Scott Bakula plays the character of Captain Archer on, I think it's Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, okay,
3: okay, okay. So I got it. All right, Scott Bakula. Uh, but
2: I, I've never seen Star Trek Enterprise. I don't think. I've only seen Quantum Leap. That's my, Bakulan, my Bakula story. <laughs> My backstory. I get like, it. Okay, I get it. Bad. Well, uh, so here's hoping Zandrew can get him flat on his bagula. Wow. <laughs> Please edit that out. Wow.
3: Do not. Do not edit that out. <laughs> Leave that in, John um, Mark. Wow. He's a really handsome man. I'm looking at his picture. I know. Yeah. Wow. What a stud. Oh, my God. Here's a picture of him just hanging out in a sauna. Okay nice
2: wow he looks good well if you wish to cast your vote make your voice heard please find our sexual attention awards uh poll on twitter at buffering cast uh where you can select your favorite noms and their uh related slots congratulations Thank to you.
3: those of you just catching up getting into real time episode 14 season seven and voting for the first time it always pleases me to yes. no end when you you tweet at me to say i finally made it <laughs> i finally I caught, caught up, up and up now i can, I can vote. vote in real time
2: <laughs> maybe maybe after we finish the series we should just cycle the sexual tension award twitter polls uh, just once re-
3: repopulate them yeah and just see how yeah. how it could be like a scientific a socio uh, a, a sociology anthropological study
2: yeah that's okay. what it could be then, that's your sexual attention sure. awards
3: bye <laughs> Well, Well, Jenny, we did it. We did another episode. It seems to be true. If we don't cut this shit out, we're going to get to the end. So we better stop soon. I (laughs) know. Yeah. We better stop making them. If we stop making them, we never have to be done. I know. (sighs) Well. She's Jenny Owen Young's. And when she's not podcasting about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, she is making new music for you to listen to and dance around your house to have your kids sing along to the lyrics of appropriately chosen songs. She has a new song out right now uh, about Pac-Man ghosts uh, uh, being chased Mm. around by the fated couple that will never kiss Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man. It's called Ghosts. And it goes no that's how that's how i just Close. pictured miss pac-man and pac-man and i sang a song for them yeah that's you can read all about her work on jenny oh my and follow her on twitter or
2: instagram at jenny Owen youngs okay what did i leave out uh you can find ghosts wherever you stream music now you can Pre order the EP It's Dangerous to Go Alone on my Bandcamp, and you can also pre save it on Spotify if you like. Uh, and you can join me on Twitch uh, for live streams every Wednesday this month, plus at least one bonus Monday stream. Uh, this month is gonna be uh, an exciting variety business in which I will begin streaming games for the first time and not wow, just music. For gay pride? Yes, I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> Game Pride. Game Pride. June is the month for Game Pride. pride. Game Pride. Okay, Uh, now you have to do me. Okay, Kristen Nolene Russo (laughs) is a Sagittarius, an author, a Sagittarius first, author second. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, And an all-around cool dude. (laughs) She has two cats. Oh, my God. And and you can find out about all of the incredible works that she gets into, including, but not limited to, working with LGBTQ young people and their families and their larger worlds Uh, over on her website at KristenNoline.com. That's dot com. You did it. And she's cool. (laughs) Chris and
3: Nolene, cool dude, Sagittarius, does some stuff. Check me out. That's right.
2: (laughs) Uh, All right. How about us? Where can they find Uh, us? Buffering. This one I know. Buffering the Vampire Slayers on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. You can drop us an email Uh, at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. Or you can listen to this podcast to hear us become... More and more unraveled in real time mm-hmm. as we rapidly progress uh, towards the end of the series. <laughs> the,
3: the last episode is just going to be like the crinkling of potato chip bags. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) you can support us if you'd like, if you, if it sounds like we might need your support, you could be correct. And you can do that by going over to our Patreon. Uh, there's a lot of cool shit happening on our Patreon this summer. First and foremost, Jenny and I are about to do a rewatch of Yellow Jackets. Uh, we're watching, what? yeah, we're watching episodes live with you all in our discord. We're podcasting about it for patrons only. It's going to be a fun time and also um, listen it's not a big deal but LaToya and I are also doing a little Patreon only podcast oh well isn't that nice you and LaToya have your own (laughs) little thing without me We're going to be talking about all eight episodes of the new series uh, launching on Netflix on June 10th called First Kill. It's about a vampire and a vampire slayer, technically a monster hunter. They're both girls and they fall in love and kiss and kiss and kiss. So... (laughs) Spoilers! That's all in the trailer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So uh, stay tuned for all of that. Support us on Patreon. You can also go to our store, scoop up some merch. We're going to have some real cool stuff. If it's not already there, it's coming your way soon because it's summertime, baby. And the living is easy and even easier when you're wearing a crop top that features. Wow. (laughs) This pitch. Willow Rosenberg uh, as a gay vampire. So, you know just deal with it okay Indeed. bufferingthevampireslayer.com you can learn all about us in a format that is far more succinct than us two ding-dongs trying to wrap up the end of this pod
2: this episode was produced by Kristen Russo Jenny Owen Youngs and Alba Daza, with support from our consultant Mackenzie McDade it was edited by John Mark Nelson and till next time ah uh, woo, woo!